Last week we talked about how a couple of weeks ago God began to speak to me about this church and about the heritage of this church. And he told me there, right behind the sound booth, that this was a traditional church. And of course I asked God, I'm like, God, this isn't necessarily a traditional church in the sense that I understand tradition. He said, no, Joe, he said, this is a, not, a, not a worldly tradition, but godly tradition. And then he began to speak to me about how this church was founded on the breath of God. And in fact, right there in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on the disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that was an intentional act by Jesus, as we discussed last week, how Jesus was pointing back all the way to Genesis chapter 2. And then how God breathed through the, in the nostrils of man and man became a living soul. And, God, and Jesus began to set up the tradition of breathing life into his disciples. And how God breathed and Jesus breathed. And, and he, he was setting the tone about how the Holy Spirit was going to come and breathe onto the church. So this week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit breathing on the church. And how our mandate from God is just, just breathe. Right? I mean, this is my, my, my second Sunday as pastor. And how many of you can recognize that I really appreciate uh, Dr. Lynn coming up and giving me that word of prophecy. And he began to speak about a lot of the gifts of the Spirit. And as a matter of fact, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit and living a Spirit-empowered life on our Wednesday, uh, Wednesday midweek services here with the adults. So if you want to learn more about living just that Spirit-filled life, not just a, a Sunday morning Christian walk, but an everyday Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday Christian walk, and how we can walk and be people of the Spirit, I want to encourage you to come out on Wednesday and participate in that as we've been having some great conversations. But how many of you see that, that, that th- it's moments like this that we recognize the working of the Holy Spirit amongst us? Right? That as, as Dr. Lynn, as he can just become and, pr- and prophesy as an elder of this church, as a spiritual leader in this church, how he can prophesy those things and, and, and make known those things as, that, are, that maybe not everybody realizes and maybe that we don't even realize, me and Shannon, individually. But I want to tell you just a quick story about my, a personal story about the Holy Spirit working in my life in a way that was the most, one of the most profound words of knowledge that I've ever received uh, from God. And this was probably about eight years ago. We were not living in Lafayette at the time. And uh, roughly about 11 o'clock at, in the evening, a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine who, I mean, we were really just best friends. You know, it's like that, it's your fishing buddy, right? How many of y'all got a fishing buddy? Or, a, or I mean, he was really my frogging buddy. I mean, you know, live in South Louisiana, we go frogging too. We go fishing, we go frogging, we do all kinds of stuff together. Never was much of a hunter. I was more of the, the duck and the kind of the, the water sports guy. But he calls me at 11 o'clock in the morning. And he says, he says, Joe, I've got a problem. I need some prayer. I said, well, okay. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night. He said, no, I mean, I really need prayer. I, I think my daughter, uh, it was, today was her, her birthday. She just turned 18 and she, she hasn't come home. I don't know where she is. And I'm, I'm just really concerned about her safety and her well-being. I don't know who she's with. I mean, that, that, those can be a concerning thing. So I said, well... Give me just a minute, let me uh, put my pants on, right, and get, get down the road, I'll, I'll come and we'll begin to pray together. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have a, a, somebody that you can call at 11 o'clock at night to pray with you in your time of need, you need to find that person today. Don't leave this building without having somebody in your life that you can call at 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning that'll pray with you uh, right there on the spot and come to your house if need be. If we can't, if we can't do that in the church, where are we going to do that at? So he called me up and I put on my, put on my pants, put on my, my shoes, and actually I think they were just some rubber boots at the time, but headed down to his house and we just began to pray, right? 
And look, it was just merely a, a, a prayer for, for comfort. Pray, Lord, that you have this in your hands and you have some things in your, uh, that you're going to take care of. You're going to be with uh, my friend's daughter here and you're just going to take care of her. And in that time of praying, I made a few words. Lord, just let your Holy Spirit reveal the things that you'd want revealed in this situation. And at that moment, I began to have visions flashing before my eyes. And I was like, God, whoa, what is this? Whoa, whoa, I saw, I saw a hotel, right? I saw the name of the hotel. I saw the road, the street sign. I saw the hotel room. I saw the door. I saw everything right there flashing before my eyes. And I told my friend, I said, uh, I think I know where your daughter is. Now, keep in mind, now we're in a city of, you know, 150,000 people that's probably got, I don't know, 70 or 80 hotels and motels and whatever else, of places of uh, short-term sleep and rest. I said, I, th- I think I know exactly where she is. I believe that the Holy Spirit has just given me a word of knowledge about your daughter. And he says, well, can we go? I said, let's do it. I mean, what, what do we got to lose? It's only about a 30-minute drive at, at now, about midnight. And we, so I'm like, on a chance that, look, God, God is really speaking something true in this moment right here. So, of course, we go hop in, hop in my vehicle and we head off to where God showed us where we were. And uh, believe it or not, I want you to know that, that we drove right to the street. I mean, first shot, there wasn't like multiple tries. Right to the street, right to the hotel, right to the front door of the motel room, knocked on the door and his daughter opened it. Amen. Come on. Now, how many of you realize that that'll begin to bring peace? That'll begin to bring comfort? That'll be, begin to bring a change in someone's life? It changed my life forever. Right? I got it written right here. That's amen. I've got it written right here. Pastor Tommy used to say this quite a bit. He said that a person with an experience in God is never at the mercy, uh, at the mercy of a person with an argument. That I don't care what anybody says. People say that the Holy Spirit isn't living and active on this earth today. I'm here to say that I have a first-hand testimony of that happening in my life. Multiple occasions. And many of you have those same kind of stories. But we all find ourselves in those positions where we don't really know what to do and what to say. We don't know what to do and what to say. We don't know how to act. We don't know where we're going to be. We don't know what God can do in a specific situation. But as we get into this time of today being Palm Sunday, right? Blessed is the one who comes, in the, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, right? Hosanna in the highest. Today that we know that God not only sent his son, but he sent his son to accomplish a mission. And that 2,000 years ago, that mission of the cross was accomplished. And not only that, but God, the, the son who was buried in a tomb, he was raised again on the third day. And who spent time with his disciples, speaking to them and teaching them and encouraging them. And then then he went off so that way he can send another, a comforter, to be with us and abide with us forever. Amen? If you have your Bible, just turn with me. We're going to look in the book of Acts. And we're going to spend some time there in the book of Acts here this morning. The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is, is active in our lives. Come on, as much as we're willing to yield to his power, he's willing to work through us and in us. Amen? As much as we're allowed to, to, to just breathe in that breath of the Holy Spirit, God is willing to breathe it in. That his, his breath and his wisdom and his knowledge, it, it's, it's unending, it's eternal. Amen. Is everybody in the book of Acts? We're going to just be right there in chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 8. 
And then we're going to go a couple of other places in the Bible, but if you stay there in the book of Acts, I think you'll be okay. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Matter of fact, let me turn there in my Bible. It says, in verse 4, it says, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We see here in these verses that the Holy Spirit has come not simply just to give us a better life, amen? That He's coming, that God is sending His Holy Spirit into this earth for a specific purpose. That He wants to baptize us in, in the Holy Spirit, amen? That, that's, a, that's an important concept to understand. You see right here, we, as we were reading last week in the, in the book of John, that Jesus breathed into the, Holy, into the disciples and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And here again, he's saying, after this event, he says that, that the Holy Spirit is going to come down and you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In fact, he says, to wait there in Jerusalem until that event comes. You see, God wanted us to, he wanted to give his disciples the power to be his witnesses. He wanted to give them the power to be his witnesses. You know, that power is a very interesting word that most of you know that that word there is dunamis, Right? That word dynamis is simply, it just means, it's where we get our term dynamite, right? It is power to make something move. Dynamite's used to, to shear off rock cliffs. It's used to mine. It's used to remove stumps. It's used for many things. But God wants to give us that power through his baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, until you receive that power, just wait for it. Wait for it. He said, just wait until you receive that power before you go out. So that way you can be effective in the ministry that I've set before you to accomplish. And like many of us, the the disciples, as Jesus is explaining these things, he says, wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. And of course, if you look back in the book of Luke 24, he says, you know, just he's giving him these promises. And the disciples, they kind of get it all wrong, like many of us do, right? How many of you realize we have the ability to many times ask the wrong questions? Just like these disciples. They're like, well, okay, we're going to wait for the promise of the Father. So, so when are you going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel and the land and put us back ruling our own country and doing all these things? Jesus is like, no, it's not, that's not what I'm talking about, right? He says the kingdom, uh, the kingdom that we're going to establish isn't an earthly kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. You know, we get our minds so set on, on the things of the earth that we forsake the, thing, the eternal things of God. That we, atta- we forsake the spiritual things of God. I mean, God wants to use us not simply to, for, to save somebody that they can be delivered from alcoholism and drug addiction and pornography and all these things. Sure, that's what God wants to do. But he also wants to save our souls. That way we can, and, and baptize in the Spirit, that way we can begin to establish his kingdom on this earth. Amen. And that's the purpose of the church. See, Jesus, he said, the, I breathed on you, but wait for the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and breathe life into the church and into your ministry. 
Jesus breathed the indwelling of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit breathed life into the church. A life of power, of effectiveness. You know, Dr. Lynn, I appreciate what you're talking about, these gifts of the Spirit. And we had this discussion this past Wednesday, these gifts of faith and miracles, the, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues, these gifts of prophecy, the gift of healing. You can find all those gifts. I want to encourage you if you can go to, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you can begin to just read about those things. And I believe that even there's more gifts than just those gifts. Those are the gifts that God's given. But, I mean, there's more gifts. If you look back in the Old Testament when they were building the tabernacle, it says that God, he, he sent his Holy Spirit into the, to the men and the, the women that were there, the artisans that were building the tabernacle. And he empowered them to use their hands to create something spectacular and holy for the use of worshiping God. Isn't that what the, isn't that what the Holy Spirit does in us? Isn't that what his purpose is in us? He takes these broken vessels, uh, like Dr. Leonard mentioned. I mean, I, I had a hard life before a saving knowledge of Jesus. Some 16 years ago, homeless, alcoholic, broke down, broke, like literally broke. Like I was less than broke. Broke means you have no money, right? I was like below that where I owed money. You know, that's the, the like just beyond, like into the negatives. Come on, Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that we have a Redeemer, God. John 14, 12. Jesus gives this promise. He says, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, or he will do, because I go to my Father. You see, Jesus promises that these greater works that we can do than what he did. Now think about the works that Jesus did. They're, they're spectacular. They're remarkable. You know, we live in a world that wants to tell you that, that those works are dead and gone. That we have to rely on, on the works of the government. That we have to rely on our own works in order to receive the things of God. But I want you to see here that Jesus gives us a promise. He says, greater works that I do, you'll be doing. Wait for that promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. That he promises that we'll receive something that we didn't have before. Come on, think about that. If we're waiting on a promise... When do we stop waiting on the promise? When we receive it. Come on. We're going to keep waiting until we receive that promise. I've got three kids, okay? My youngest son, his birthday is June 28th, okay? Now listen, we are already talking about what he's getting for his birthday. We started talking about what he was getting for his birthday June 29th of last year, okay? And listen, it don't change. You know, you would think of like, well, you know, he wants a, a this and a that. It don't change. It's like, it's the same thing, right? And I've made a point. I don't promise anything anymore because he will not let me forget about it. But the promises of God are so much greater, right? They're so much greater than the promises of men. John fourteen sixteen. It says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Some of your translations may say comforter. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world could not receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. You see, Jesus here is saying that, that you're going to receive this promise. And Jesus has to go away. You see, it was better that Jesus, the Son of God, made manifest on this earth in, in the image of, of man. 
It was, and, I mean, think about the, the disciples, what they were thinking. It's like, Jesus, it's so awesome being around you, man. We get to see people healed. We get to see these demons cast out. We get to see all this stuff. Jesus says, yeah, I know it's awesome. But listen, greater works are you going to do than what you've seen me do. But I have to leave. And they're like, whoa, what do you mean you got to leave? What do you mean? He said, listen, i got to leave, and it's better that I leave. Now think about this concept. Jesus here, in the form of man, says, I have to leave. He says, I'm leaving so that I can go and I can pray that the Father send to you another, a comforter, a helper, the Holy Spirit, that he can come and dwell with you and abide in you forever and ever. And somebody say, amen. Come on, that's the kind of presence of God that I want in my life. I want the Holy Spirit walking with me. He's with me every single day. Why? Because God has given me a mandate. He tells me to go into all the nations, right? Come on, if he's telling me to go in all the nations, I've been like, I mean, driving from here to, to, to Dallas is a long drive. And I mean, I've barely even like got across uh, Texas, Barely even got across the U.S. He's telling us to go into all the nations. That's the whole world. Lord, this is bigger than me. I need your help. We need the Holy Spirit in us, with us. And I think that there's a perfect example of what our mandate is that we can look in the Old Testament. And many of you have heard this story, but I want to talk about it here this morning. In reference to the promise of the Father, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and the work of the church in our land. We're going to go to Ezekiel, and we're going to look at chapter 37. And I have a few verses in there I want to look at and discuss. And yesterday at the crosswalk, confirmed what God was speaking to me in this message. As we just talk about just breathing. Something, that's how, that's how natural our ministry should be in this world. Should be as simple as just breathing. When I went to my friend's house and I began, began to pray, we were just breathing and God began to speak and God began to work. Uh, Buddy was telling me here this morning just about the miraculous works of God, the things that God can do in our lives as we just submit ourselves to his awesome power. Everybody in Ezekiel 37? Come on. Say amen. All right, just want to make sure we're still all together. Ezekiel 37. And many of you know this story of the valley of the dry bones. 37.1, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. And then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Come on, somebody say very dry. Very, very dry. They were very dry. What an observation to make about a bunch of bones. Very dry. You see, in this time of Israel's history, Israel was in captivity in Babylon. And they were there, and, and, and God began to speak to them through the prophets, through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, through Ezekiel, to bring encouragement, to bring, to bring hope, to bring a belief that, that by some type of miracle... God is going to move in this situation. You see, they were hopeless where there seemed no hope. And Ezekiel, God begins to speak to Ezekiel in the Spirit, and God, through the Spirit, brings him to this valley, which is obviously 
A parallel to where Israel was in their current time. They were in a valley. But he said in that valley, it's not just any valley. There's a valley full of bones. And it's not just a valley full of bones, but Ezekiel goes on to say, he says, these bones were very dry. They were very dry. You see, the flesh was gone off of these bones. They were bleached white by the sun. Have y'all ever been? I remember hunting me and my dad walking around in the woods and we'd come across like an old carcass or something like that. And you could tell that that carcass has been there a long time because it is like perfectly white. It is bone dry, right? That's where we get that term. It's bone dry. And during this time, there was the lack of faith in Israel was huge. It was insurmountable, right? They were in a valley and they were, they were bones. The flesh is stripped off, but they were very Dry. God had ceased to speak. They thought that all was lost and there was nothing left that they can do. And then God asks Ezekiel a question. He says, can these bones live? And so I answered Ezekiel saying, oh Lord, you know. I mean, you're God. You know if they can live or not. You know, how many times have we been in situations where we're in a dry, dry dry place where we're in a valley of life where there seems to be like there's no way out and a lot of the people around us a lot of the things that we've tried to do in life and the things that we had uh, envisioned seemed like it was lost in fact it just looked like a bunch of piles of bones it just as a matter of fact they were very dry they were useless they had no no more life left in them or on them the birds had plucked plucked all those dreams perfectly clean but you see God began to speak to Ezekiel. By the power of his spirit, he said, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord God of these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, then you shall know that I am the Lord. So what does Ezekiel do? He begins to prophesy. He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Come on, say a noise. Come on. As he began to prophesy, there was a noise. Come on, as he began to prophesy, think about that. He's walking into a valley of dry bones. There's nothing around, just him and bones. And he begins and says, God, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm just going to begin to speak as you commanded me, and I'm going to begin to prophesy to these bones. And as he began to prophesy, there was a noise. Something began to happen in the spirit that was fixing to take place in the natural. Come on, that's good news. Something began to happen that, that was so unlikely so unlikely that, it, that, that in the spirit that, that the, the bones begin to rumble and shake. Man, I would, if I had Chris, if I'd have thought about it, I could have, Chris Herrera, I could have got like some, some deer antlers or something, right? I could just imagine that sound as, the, as these bones, they begin to just crinkle and crackle, right? And suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. No breath in them. But how many of us, we begin to have this rebirth? That things begin to look different, right? Oh, Joe, you know, man, he's, 
He's not out in the bars anymore. He's beginning to do some things differently. The man, he looks different. Everything looks great. He's starting to get all his life together, all that other stuff. And then, you know, just a little bit of something happens and then boom, he fails again. Why? Because he had no breath. He had the flesh. He had the sinews. He had all the appearance of, of completeness. But he lacked the breath of God blown into his life. That's what this army was. He said, Ezekiel, don't stop with simply just beginning to put the flesh back together. Don't stop with just putting the bones in place. Don't stop with just having the ability to make things walk and do things, right? He said, don't stop there. He said, begin to prophesy to the breath. You see, when Jesus prophesied and he breathed on the disciples, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He was connecting to the Old Testament. He was saying, Genesis, God breathed. Ezekiel, God breathed. Things begin to move and change. He said, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe this slain. Breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, he said, breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. I believe that here in our city that God is raising up an exceedingly great army. Come on, God is raising up an exceedingly great army. Because God breathed, Jesus breathed, the Holy Spirit breathed. Turn with me to the book of Acts again if you're still there. We're going to go right into verse 2, or chapter 2, I'm sorry. You see, God wasn't done with the cross. He completed our salvation. Man was made right, but he just initiated our mission. Come on, God said, I, I made it. I, I put the sinews back on you. Right? You're ready for battle. You've got the suit on. He said, but now I want to prophesy to the breath. I want to prophesy to the truth that I put in you that you can go out and be an exceedingly great army to the city where I planted you. That you can go starting in, in Jerusalem. You can go to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Come on, I believe that this church, we're going to go into the uttermost parts of the earth. But God wants us to start right here in Youngsville. He wants us to go Lafayette Parish. He wants us to go Louisiana. Amen. But it starts in each and every one of us. Acts chapter 2, it says... And when on the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Come on, right there in Ezekiel, all those bones, they were in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Come on, a sound from heaven. There was a noise. God began to shake some things up in the spiritual realm. God began to say, I'm going to begin to move by my breath, by my pneuma, Again, God's going to begin to breathe life into these disciples of God that they can go out and do the work that he called them to do. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Come on, right there on that day of Pentecost, 
on that upper room, it wasn't a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and religious folk who had just graduated from seminary college. Come on, who was up in that room? It was tax collectors and fishermen and oil field workers, right? And, and, and sugar cane farmers. Come on. It was just people that God, he said, I'm going to take these bones and, and put skin on you and flesh on you and give you purpose. And then I'm going to inject my spirit into you and breathe life into you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to begin to make you effective for your ministry and where I'm going to send you out to go. He says, go into all nations. That's when he said to go. They received that promise from the Father. But isn't it so wonderful that God used those people? You see, there's where the crux of it is. You see, in Ezekiel, God didn't go to take Ezekiel to that valley of dry bones and say, hey, clean up this mess, okay? I've got some other guys coming. You know, these other guys are coming. They're going to come in here. I mean, they're take, all these bones are taking up the space of really the godly army. It's not what happened. God said, you see these bones? Begin to speak to them. On that day of Pentecost, those bones, those men that God began to redeem, he began to breathe life and righteousness into their lives. He began to make them whole and effective in what God put them on this earth to do. You see, we have a redeemer God, not a replacer God. Right? He's, not, he's a redeemer God. He takes the broken, he takes the dry, he takes the lost, and he begins to redeem it and use it and make it effective and restore it back to its original purpose. Come on, if you're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're living under what God has you, He wants you to put you at. He wants to lift you up to higher places. He wants to raise up an exceedingly great army in this place. But God is calling the church to dry places. How many Ezekiels do we have in this room that can say, God has filled me and baptized me in his Holy Spirit, and he's going to begin to carry me into these places, into the city, into the jails, into the food pantries, into the homeless shelters, into the schools, into the businesses, into those places where I can begin to look around and pay attention and actually see that, whoa, I'm in a valley, and there's some bones in here, and it's very dry. Come on, God is beginning to going to take you to those places. I've been serving the Lord for some, you know, 15, 16 years, and God's brought me to some very dry places in my life. I'm not saying that this is one of them. Praise the Lord. But what I'm saying is, is I see before me an exceeding great army. I see some people that have, that have walked through a, a, a time of redemption. Some people that have walked through a time of, of God restoring them back to their health and back to their original purpose. I see an army that God's breathed life into that's just ready for battle and waiting. Amen? Come on, last, yesterday, amen. Praise God. Yesterday we had our crosswalk. And uh, Rebecca, uh, if, if you go on the church Facebook page, she took one of the, the, the picture brought me to tears and I just didn't have time to get it up here, but. Is, is we see the, you know, the, the, the cross and the person carried it, and she's got this picture of all these, the children in the church, right? And she says, this is our future. And boy, doesn't it look bright. Doesn't it look bright? You see, God is raising up an army. He's raising up an army of worshipers. He's raising up a, an army of restorers. You know, our ministry is, we serve a God who is a reconciler. 
a reconciler God, a redeemer God. God is raising up an army. And the last song that we had played, you know, when we're doing the crosswalk, we have music going. And a song that just touched my heart so many years ago. This song of Ezekiel. And I mean, listen, it was just on my playlist, kind of random. This song begins to come on. And the song is speaking about God's raising up an army. He's raising up an army. Let the breath of God from the four winds blow. He's going to bring life again to these dry bones. Come on, I'm believing that today God wants to breathe life into somebody. I'm believing that today God wants to breathe life into our city. Come on, we, we had the opportunity to pray right there into the, at the VFW for our veterans. And, 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 and as we prayed, I could just feel this energy going out that these men that, and women that served in these foreign wars, and as they go, and they, and they just devoted their life to protecting and serving ours, that God wants to breathe life into those men and women. God wants to breathe life into our city officials, into our police department. He wants to breathe life into our schools. Come on, we need to begin to bring that breath that God breathed onto us on that day of Pentecost into our cities, into our businesses. So just in closing, I just want to leave you with this question. What valley is God calling you to speak life into? What valley is God calling you to bring redemption into? Come on, this Christian walk is, man, it's, it's glorious. It's peaceful. It's not so much that there's peace going around, but it's peaceful in the, on the inside. I, I've seen times in my life that, that everything looked great and on the up and up, but I couldn't sleep at night because of the turmoil that was going on in my heart. But now it's kind of the opposite, Dr. Lynn. Now sometimes it's like crazy going on, on the outside, perfect peace going on on the inside. Come on, my soul is made righteous through my Savior, Jesus. What valley is God bringing us into? Because that's the mission of the church. On that day of Pentecost, God didn't go through all the effort of the cross. He didn't go through all the effort of gathering all these disciples in that upper room. And He began to breathe life into them so that way we can have a nice, comfortable church to sit in on Sunday morning. Come on, God wants us to make a difference in the world. He wants us to find those dry bones. He wants us to find the places that he's called us to go and begin to prophesy to the breath. He wants us to begin to prophesy life. He wants us to begin to prophesy truth. God has gifted each and every one of us according to his purpose and calling. Imagine if we were united in that just for a moment. That's probably what heaven's going to look like. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.